Welcome back to another episode of Ideas Digest. My name's Conrad, and this week we have a doozy. I recorded it maybe seven months ago when I was in Bali with with, uh, one of my friends, Jono. Now, Jono is just a great guy. Uh, You might already have some preconceived ideas given the clickbait title of this podcast before it's even begun. That's fine to have those, but I'm glad you're still with us. So we're going to explore in this episode, how does Jono think the way he thinks? How did he come to those conclusions? And I really want to be very clear and specific about this. This is not a podcast that you listen to to gain factual scientific information. I'm not a scientist. Jono is not a scientist. This podcast's express purpose is to connect with the people behind the ideas. So as much as we talk about a lot of Jono will drop some scientific studies and we'll talk, you know, about the idea in the best way us pseudo intellectuals can discuss such heady and intellectual ideas. By all means, as you're listening, if you're in front of a computer, got your phone, you can do some on-the-go Google fact-checking. I know, as I was listening back to the conversation, Jono mentioned something about there being no placebo trials of vaccines in the scientific literature. Quick Google, I went, oh, it doesn't, that doesn't seem to be true. Uh, that's what I found. So, you know, enjoy a little bit of fact-check. Once again, quality information isn't what I'm here for. Plenty of other podcasts for that. But a good conversation into understanding the person behind the ideas, that's what we're here for. I keep trying to come back in this conversation to how did you get here? What is your worldview? And I want you to look at the arguments he's making, not to whether you weigh them up and be like, am I convinced? Am I not? Is he right? Is he wrong? But I want you to see if you can understand how Jono came to the conclusions he came to. That's the whole point because... I really enjoyed this conversation with Jono, and I enjoy conversations generally that uh, of this nature, hence, hence the podcast. And as you're listening, if you're feeling outraged, have any questions, who knows what emotional roller coasters we go on when we listen to podcasts, but whatever is going on, open your phone if you're driving, don't do it, but get on Instagram, send us a, a question, you can email us at idisdigest. Send through a question, a thought, a topic, idea, anything, whatever's going on, connect with us because this show will be shaped by the feedback and conversations I'm having with the listeners and that will determine the direction of the next episode. And I do apologize in advance for this audio quality. I feel like it's me in high school, a solid 61 out of 100. A pass, but not that great. Uh, The audio clips a little bit. I was using a portable audio recorder. I was in an echoey room. Anyway, enough disclaimers. I think it's all right. You can still listen to it, but I shall endeavor to improve audio quality in the future. Hopefully you enjoy this episode as much as I enjoyed the conversation. I'm right and you're wrong. Once you start labeling people. Categorizing of humans and ideas. You have desensitized yourself to the humanity of that other human being to who they really are and in the marketplace of ideas these things are complicated man we all need to engage with a variety of viewpoints a genuine multicultural connection with another i mean sometimes you don't need to agree or disagree you just need to sit with it and digest welcome back to ideas digest the podcast where we find challenging ideas and we talk about them. There's three things you can do when you come across a person with a challenging idea. And some people, you just call them crazy and ignore what they're saying. You can, you can call them evil and dismiss what they're saying, or you can just assume they're ignorant and once again dismiss what they're saying. All three of those are not an option for this podcast. It's not what we're going to do. And we're going to run headfirst into some ideas that people, some ideas that people think are very, very dangerous. Yeah. And so I'm just going to get straight into it. Awesome. I'm going to start this at the most controversial, scariest point, because that's why people are clicking and listening. So I'm going to clickbait this, but when we're not going to end here. We're going to start here. I'm with my friend Jono. Jono, thanks for being here with me. Yeah, appreciate it, mate. I'm glad to be here. I'll get around to who you are in a minute, but I'm just going to set it up in the most clickbaity way. I've got Jono here. He's an anti-vaxxer. Well, that's, that's clickbait enough. Now, Jono, do you want to clarify 
that accusation. Sure, absolutely. So I would, I would say I'm not. Okay. But, but I would understand how somebody would say, but yeah, but what you stand for, what you think, you, you are. So I'm, I'm happy for So it's a misinterpretation and that's a gross mischaracterization. Yeah, I would say okay. so. Yep. However, I, I understand why people arrive at that conclusion, but I don't think it's because of the actual dialogue that, say, me, that I'm having. Yeah. Because, say, for example, somebody that's what you would call, like, let's say, a vaccine reformer, somebody that believes that vaccines should be reformed. Is that what you would say you are? Absolutely. Okay. But I'm not sure if... I, I'm not necessarily giving myself that the, the public title because if I was going to maybe be the full manifestation of that, I would be um, trying to concoct new formulas. But but certainly, I'm a voice in the to public. have a conversation about something that needs some more dialogue. You're yes. saying and 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 efficacy around mm. the actual ingredients. So you're not anti all vaccines. No, of course, no. So I would say that, and, and the reason why I would get pinned as being that is yeah. that, so for example, if the vaccines don't meet the standard that I believe is actually healthy and safe and effective, mm -hmm. then I may boycott that, but it's not because I believe that all vaccines are wrong. So give me some vaccines that you have done some research, you're like, they're fine, they're fine, they're fine. So you're not completely anti-vax. Well, I'm not in that camp, unfortunately. And that's why perhaps your first so you, accusation- you think none, no vaccines are safe? That's where I'm at, but, I'm, okay. but it doesn't mean that I'm at that, that point for all time. It's, okay. it's just like what, what I'm being presented with here doesn't tick the boxes for me. So, okay. And, that, that, and yeah. that's where they would say, well, if you're not for any vaccines, then yeah. you're anti-vax. Exactly. And, so, and, and I wish that there was one or two or three that I was like, mm -hmm. these ones are fantastic. Go for it. Mm -hmm. And I wish there was because yeah. I'd be happy to fly that flag. And there's occasionally like a, a, a drug, like a pharmaceutical drug that I've done the research on and it's, and it's, and it's clear. But, but again, f for me, they've been extremely rare and there are occurrences and I, and I'm, and with some new laws that are, um, in, in the works with placebo studies mm -hmm. on vaccines that I believe that we could get to that point. Okay. I'm going to pause that right here. Before we go any further, I want to find out a little bit more about who Jono is and you know, why should you listen to him? So Jono, where did you grow up? Sure. In Australia, Newcastle. Great town, I hear. Yeah. Awesome, yeah. <laughs> a couple of hours drive north from Sydney. Yeah. Uh, so that was my home. Mm -hmm. I went to state schools there and, and did my university degree in Newcastle. What did you study? Communications, and so I, I majored in journalism. So and you're a journalist production. now, are yeah, you? Yeah, investigative journalist. Correct. And what are you doing at the moment, like sure. career-wise? You went to uni, studied journalism. Is that the last degree you did? It, yeah, well, technically I did a postgraduate, which was in uh, English literature. So I, I did teach for some years uh, in high schools. Uh, so, ah, yeah. so you're a teacher slash journalist. Yeah, well, I, you know, past teacher, I'm not active enough to call myself a <laughs> You're not <teacher>. registered, <laughs> but you could be if you wanted to. I mean, yeah, I could, yeah. I, I, I guess I'm still registered, but yeah. it's, it's been, been a few years. Okay. And tell me a bit about your upbringing. Did you grow up religious? Sure, yeah. So I grew up uh, Christian and and so and then the, the, the denomination of Seventh-day Adventist, right? So I grew up in in a Christian family. My mom actually, she, she grew up Muslim. So mm -hmm. she, she did um, change her faith in that regard. A lot of the things that she kept in common still. But, uh, and then, uh, but I went to secular, uh, I had secular education. Mm -hmm. So I, I was always school. between, and, and, and all the schools I taught in were always um, secular schools. And the career that I'm in right now would be technically secular. However, I do have a personal faith, and so I'm a, I would call myself a theist. I believe in God, and that does influence some of my work. Mm -hmm. What denomination do you align with? I would say that I have, I have alignment with Seventh-day Adventists. However, I would still, unfortunately, I, I'd still be on the outskirts because of some different views that I have. Outskirts on like liberal outskirts or conservative um, outskirts? Neither. Or your own. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> how, how would you? I never found a camp, right? So um, it's just, it's case by case, right? So if where do you Where do you feel like you don't belong in that? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, in Seventh-day Adventism, I, there, there's a few uh, beliefs that I would just have differently, which, which I'm fine with. I, I feel like diversity is actually a yeah, good you're thing. You're okay with that, yeah. Um, but, but not necessarily all people will feel that way or all leadership will feel that way. So maybe people within the church that you go to might not yeah, like, I mean, things be are, comfortable having someone exactly. with different beliefs. That can, that can That's happen. common in Christianity, yeah. Yeah, and so I've certainly experienced that. However, you know, uh, I... And, and then... Yeah, 
I, I just, I guess I find myself consistently in life on, uh, in a place where I, I, I have differing views, but I'm, but I'm cool with that. And it's yeah. just, I, I rely on other people being mindful of the fact that I, you know, I have reasons why I've arrived at these conclusions and there mm -hmm. are things that, you know, so I'm, I'm creating influence in the world. Sometimes that is, uh, it comes at a cost and it, mm -hmm. and it, and instead of making me more like the people that I grew up with or the the people that I would have loved to have completely aligned with because of the research, because of that that work and the desire to, to create an outcome for people, I found myself in a place where I'm like, wow, how did I end up believing so many things so different mm -hmm. from what I would have wanted to have believed? I, mm -hmm. so, I, so I've kind of fallen into these controversial pits. Mm -hmm. But um, you're saying you're, you've just followed your curiosity and research and you've ended up just completely different, yeah. a different space to everybody else. Yeah. And, but you still have that inner desire to help people and make people's life better, exactly. which I guess leads us to what you're doing now. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, you're right. And so that's been the hardest thing for me because if, if for me, this is my own personal conviction. If I didn't care, mm -hmm. I, I would have found it so much easier to just fly the flag of whatever group I wanted to align with. Mm -hmm. But because I felt like, well, a responsibility around that, it was really hard for me. And so I've sometimes done things where it's like, this is a terrible financial decision to do this right now. Or even with the vaccines issue, like it would be much more convenient for me not to fly that flag because I, I get worried about my own safety like I mean yeah. my family's safety and that's it's just that important to me yeah. in the end but but yeah yeah I think it's so it's too easy for people to come to the discussion on any topic a controversial topic whether that's abortion anti-vax or anything and just vilify the other person and assume too often I hear people assuming oh they're just evil they deliberately like you hear it in politics all the time oh Bill Shorten just wants to ruin the economy mm -hmm. when you think about it he he's not that's not his number one desire as it's like, I can't wait to be prime minister so I can destroy this country yeah. like people don't do that and so it's good to hear you talk about what's driving you because there'd be many people who maybe hear the fact that you might be close to an anti-vax camp and say he's an evil person trying to kill as many people as possible yeah. but clearly that's not Exactly. The way you're coming exactly. from. Exactly. So, and, and to give the benefit of doubt, this person could be totally deceived and, and de deceiving people because they're totally deceived, yes. but at least there's empathy there. And yes. perhaps somebody like me then could be influenced by somebody that would bring me over to seeing something that I've missed um, mm -hmm. and, and we could go from that place, mm -hmm. right? However, you, uh, hopefully that, that influence goes both ways mm -hmm. and, and both parties can open their minds and yes. arrive to a conclusion which may be different to what what both parties previously held, but it's something that's meaningful and helpful for the conversation. And at the very least, understand where the other person comes from. Yeah. Putting agreement and disagreement yeah. on the back seat. And that's the point of this podcast. Yes. So thanks for being on. You're the awesome. perfect candidate. I appreciate it, man. What are you doing with yourself right now? Sure. So, I, so I'm, I'm a producer and director of... Uh, in a sense, uh, health, well, they're health documentaries that are quite on the fringe in that we're finding ourselves in this situation where a lot of people are losing trust in the mainstream. And so what we're doing is coming to give information from people that I would consider very uh, reputable and uh, authoritative. Doctors and scientists. Yeah, a lot. So, I mean, in the last year, probably 200 doctors and scientists have you know, come on our show. What was your latest show about? Sure. I mean, Depression, Anxiety and Dementia Secrets has been one of the most uh, recent and popular films that mm -hmm. I've produced. Uh, and so we've had a few, a few hundred thousand people just register just in the last few months to, to watch that. And so that one's been a really great experience because we, we were able to show some really interesting facts about those, uh, the mood, mood disorder conditions and the cognitive decline uh, conditions and show the, the correlation between those different disease sets, which is really interesting or um, symptomatic um, challenges that people are experiencing and then we're able to show people all the natural preventative um, and also solutions that people can use to reverse those conditions so that's kind of been a huge um, area of research for me over the last couple of years so the message and content of your documentaries that you're pro yeah. producing is natural health remedies yeah. to improve these conditions like exactly dementia and autoimmune disease yes. and things like absolutely, that absolutely yeah. so in general you're saying eat healthy eat vegetables 
Be yeah. vegan, be vegetarian. <laughs> well, actually, what's interesting is uh, a lot of the things that we're doing um, would be many things that you you may many people that are listening right now may have never heard of, which is really interesting. So, so, um, so, what are the solutions that we're talking about? So, so let's say if we're saying food, we're yeah. going specifically onto certain foods for certain conditions right. and the compounds found in those foods and how they can counteract the certain conditions. Talk to me now about an idea that I think you that you've we've spoken about that you think is kind of is central to what has led you in one direction and a lot of other people in the other direction. Yeah. You mentioned there about you go to the science yeah. to discover you know, what's good for health, what's yeah. bad for health. Um, and so using anti-vax as the example here, a lot of the science, uh, the general concept, uh, perception out there is the science is settled on vaccines. They're completely safe and they work. How do you, um, how do you come to a different conclusion to that scientific body of knowledge and what do you think stops other people from coming to the conclusion that you have come to? Got it, yeah. So I think what creates this huge dichotomy of people being anti-vax and pro-vax or somebody just being waving a banner, like let's just come over to the pro-vax, right? Mm-hmm. If, 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 if someone's waving that flag, it's, it's, it's almost that, that what's being said here is that all vaccines work in all contexts for all people in, mm. in, at any time. And, and this is a straight shot and there's, there's no more to be said about this. And, any, and, and also it's a forecasting method as well. Like any vaccine that is introduced to us through the media, through pharmaceutical bodies will be safe and effective and we don't need to be on guard at all. And in fact, we need to be on guard against anybody that's saying anything to the contrary because this is, this is our safeguard right here. And it doesn't matter exactly what's inside it. I don't really know. I don't want to necessarily know. I just trust who's given me this information. Mm-hmm. So what I would say is that that type of thinking is uh, very dangerous. Mm-hmm. And, but at the same time, I fully accept it because there's a part of me that wants to do that myself. I want to just let go and just hope that people have great intentions mm-hmm. so I can feel like I don't have to be in the driver's seat and make a decision that's going to ruin my, my family's health. Right, so I, I see the appeal. There, there's so much appeal to that, and so, mm-hmm. so what I'm talking about does require somebody to really switch on their 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 thinking caps here. And so you're saying people place too much trust in the scientific community yeah. and the conclusions scientists have come to. Yes, yeah, I am saying that. Like it's, uh, I, I am uh, putting forward that it's, I believe it's a blind trust. Mm-hmm. That if if it was an educated trust, then people, most people in this conversation, would be out of sight. The studies that back up the things that they're saying and and i'm not saying that they have to have an encyclopedia in their brain on this i'm just saying simple things uh e- even in, in in regards to the ingredients or something like this these these should be discussed and so these are interesting uh kind of paradigms so you know have we handed over our minds to the medical community and you think we have i think that that the majority of people um that are on that are heavy in those camps have done done that, done that. I think that they have absolutely handed their minds over to those institutions, and unfortunately, it's not just the doctors. They're also handing their minds over to the pharmaceutical bodies, which have have a history of 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 some some dicey kind of behaviors. So the way you're describing that, you're describing this trust on trust towards science as if it's some kind of religion yeah 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 i yeah i have spoken about that and i do believe that i think that because i mean let's speak positive for positively for a second about religion religion can be an amazing thing for people it, it would appear and it can be a really destructive thing for people yeah. in in my opinion and so what is it that uh, divides that i i think that individual autonomy that we have within that religion and our ability to use our minds and our empathy and the, the softer attributes that we have allows us not to become like suicide bombers uh, because we we're judging information and we we're making our own applications of them and so like for example like i you know i have a wife and a child and there's a sensitivity in my in my approach to life because of the the things around my life or and and before they came into my life the the empathy or the general gut feeling or trust that i have in 
in needing to do good. So my interpretation, my own understanding of things and that autonomy of understanding those things and applying them rather than having somebody just say, go and do this or, or getting an order from somebody or, or something that, that, that then is switches off my mind. Cause then that can, that you look at the atrocities religion, you could see, well, God told me to go, God told this person to go do these atrocities or. Um, so you're saying the, evil so to speak and the unhelpful nature of both religion and science yeah. is when the general population stop questioning and stop i guess thinking for themselves i do believe that yeah so lead me to how you came to the conclusion of at the at current state yeah. all vaccines are not helpful yeah what, sure because when we're talking about science yeah. we're talking about who do who to trust and why why don't we trust these people that say vaccines are safe and why yeah. why do we trust i guess the scientists that you've spoken to personally the doctors you've spoken to yeah. personally contrast those two ways sure of- yeah i mean interesting things like so i mean i did get some extraordinary opportunities so i did get to sit in uh at uh, robert f kennedy jr so the, the president guy yeah he's, he's the son. nephew the pre- nep- son of the senator uh robert f kennedy robert f kennedy okay, yeah. and so he, and he he was very interesting and informative for me among many of the experts that we spoke to and somebody that would actually consider himself pro-vax, which is fa- fascinating, just to throw that in the mix. Mm-hmm. And and when he speaks publicly, and, and I don't mind also sharing, sharing the, the contradiction that may be here because his biggest issue was as an environmental attorney, uh, stopping mercury dumping in, in the ocean. And, and then he, he really didn't want to get involved in the anti-vax movement, but he had so many people uh, bring to him when he was doing these public presentations on the adverse side effects of vaccines and all these mothers that were coming to him with these reports. And then he, then it was too, it became in that sense emotional so that he had to at least consider it and question it. And then he ended up in this place where he's like, these vaccines need to change. And that was where he was one of the biggest campaigners behind getting thimerosal, which is a derivative of mercury. So it is mercury out of vaccines and of which it is out of most vaccines mm-hmm. by the flu shot, which people should know about, which is one of the most common um, vaccines now, for, especially for people that are our age and beyond. And what I would consider a massive dementia risk, right? Because it still has that. And, remember, and, and so people can know it's part of the United Nations Millennium Development Goals to not have mercury in any vaccine, but yet it's still in a in a, in a vaccine and that is being used in the most developed societies. Um, and it's, yeah, so but anyway, back to, the, back to the point I was bringing up there, speaking to some of these uh, prominent individuals. Um, and it was interesting, like while, while I was creating a, a series as a producer on a show called The Truth About Vaccines, and that was with, with a company that, uh, The Truth About Cancer, and I was working on both of those projects as a producer. And, Collectively, we reached over 30 million people with that series, so it became quite well known. And a lot of people use this uh, as a tool to kind of understand and become more equipped. And it was as far as, as much as we tried, I mean, you look at the messaging, uh, like when I wrote the trailer for that, it was, you know, whether you're for or against vaccines, it doesn't matter. That was how I began that conversation. It doesn't matter. What matters is that we care about our children. It doesn't matter what side you're on right now. What matters is that you know the information. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna go case by case. You know, and we're going to go through vaccine by vaccine and just look at all the ingredients. Let's have the conversation. Mm-hmm. And so then if you get to the end of it, you'd be like, well, these guys are just anti-vaxxers that pretended to be um, <laughs> um, on the fence. But we never said that we were on the fence. We just said we'd go vaccine by vaccine. If our conclusion was that they weren't good, you know, so obviously you're always going to have some personal human bias. But I can tell you that we really tried. So how come... How come your conclusion is so different from the vast mainstream yeah. scientific body of knowledge? Because, the reason why I would say that is because, because of the funding. Because the same thing has happened with the medical field when uh, Dale Carnegie and John Rockefeller created the modern medical system in the early 1900s. It was a, uh, it, that's where medicine shifted. It went from being about herbs and being about uh, natural plant-based medicine. Mm-hmm. And then it switched over to being drug intensive. And that was because of the funding. And that, that happened, it was, a, it was basically the new world order of the modern medical system. And it, and it happened, and so much so that the AMA was sued for conspiracy in 1976 for their uh, attack against chiropractic. Uh, because, uh, and, and that 
that they were guilty of demonizing. So I'm saying that the the allegations and the demonization of people that are even doing natural-based therapies has been a big deal and a big problem. So it exists there. And so the same problem I'm saying exists in the vaccination world in that this is the only way to prevent and to, uh, to combat this disease. And I would say it's not the only way. There are other ways. And that's where I'm not saying... You go ahead. So all the studies that show that vaccines are safe help reduce it help eradicate all polio of the modern world and uh, bill gates i guess himself is distributing vaccines in africa and slowly wiping out disease you would your you would say that those scientific studies are wrong completely wrong or misinterpreted or deliberately funded by big pharma in order to sell more drugs. Yeah. Okay, so here's what I would say to that. So polio, you brought it up. So polio is is the flagship, right? So it's like vaccines. I don't believe in all the mainstream vaccinations. I'm not for it. What about polio? That's the first one, right? Because polio, you know, where would we be if it wasn't for vaccines? However, so, and this is one for the you know listeners to tune into. So if you want to really look at the facts behind polio, you'll find that the reduction in polio happened before the vaccine was introduced. The vaccine rode a wave that happened due to sanitation. This is my, you know, this is how I understand this from my research. And so, and it's simple, simple historical data. When, when, when did the drop of polio happen? And you'll find that it happened before the introduction of the polio vaccine. So it took credit, in my opinion, for those things. And so then when you come over to, okay, let's talk about, I mean, how deep down the rabbit hole do you want to go with it when it comes to the conspiratorial side? Um, let's, let's go with it. And then, yeah. Okay, so, um, and I feel, okay, so Africa. It's, I think that vaccines have done a whole lot of damage to Africa that people don't know about. And one of the examples of that is the consideration around HIV AIDS. Okay, so, and, and again, I don't necessarily consider myself the authority on, on this all in all, but what you'll find is that the biggest outbreaks that were coming out of Sudan and Congo, the Congo, these were, and, and then you come over to New York, these were major areas of outbreaks of HIV, and then you were told that it was going to wipe out the whole world, and now you just don't hear really anything about it anymore. And it's an interesting kind of collision of what happened, but you'll find um, the vaccinations were also um, a big deal in those areas. We had clinics of vac- for, for major vaccines happening in the Congo and in Sudan. So you're saying these York. vaccines were potentially responsible for the outbreak of HIV in African absolutely. countries. So why? So obviously America and the West yeah. gave these vaccines. Yeah. Why would they do that? Okay, well, so you have a look at declassified programs in the U.S., the a major one being CIA's MK Ultra mind control experiment. Like this is, this is uh, these are major. I mean, like the the government was sued f- even just recently. There's a case that's going on currently over a CDC scientist that was drugged and his his murder. Uh, and so, the major cases of MK Ultra and what was discovered uh, during some of these cases was germ warfare, the actual triggering of diseases through through this program and this is where um, some of the scientists that knew too much were just get, getting thrown out of buildings. So where's the link between, let's just say yeah. that that is the case, I haven't, yeah. I'm not Googling it yeah, right yeah, now, yeah, I don't exactly. have it, I'm like, all right, let's, let's yeah. say for, for instance that, you know, governments do dodgy stuff, yeah. we'd be naive to think that they weren't trying to find and test new weapons. Yeah. Um, let's say that's true. Where's the link between that and vaccines and deliberately giving it to Africa to give increase HIV? Like, why would they do that? And where's the, where's the link? How do you draw that yeah, link? Yeah, yeah, good point. So then you get into depopula- depopulization programs, right? So then, then, so why do this, right? So you have, you have eugenics that was really originating out of America that Hitler was really a part of a eugenics mindset of... of so eugenics is saying you're... Uh, genetically superior or inferior yes. to certain people and Hitler obviously believed this because he thought he was, there was an Aryan race and yeah. he thought the Jews were inferior and so was going to kill them all exactly and what you're saying I have done a little bit of reading on yeah. and a, a, a lot of prominent American scientists weren't they were either for or weren't opposed to a worldview based on eugenics saying oh some people are genetically superior and inferior and obviously 
it sounds controversial, but that, I guess, was a common worldview in, what, 1940s yeah. before more scientific study. Well, exactly. And, and it was part of, I, I mean, I, I, th- I do think that we, we've always known better and that this was a common worldview because it was coming to us through institutions that, it, like I know, and this is where we would have a slightly different perception in that, I do see some of these organizations having dark agendas, even though I don't necessarily think the individuals were always motivated by dark purposes. But and that's why you can see groups like Monsanto and their ownership through Bayer. And so you think you look at Monsanto and you say you are deliberately doing something um, detrimental to humanity to benefit yourself. Yes, I do believe like that. Like deliberately being like, let's. Uh, like what decrease the world's population for these types of things absolutely i do believe that even though it sounds like for me it's a str- so that means the ceo of monsanto you would say that guy's pretty much the devil because he's deliberately <laughs> doing monsatan right Monsanto. <laughs> yeah he, you're saying he's deliberately doing it whereas, maybe whereas i might say that it's profit motive yeah he's just trying to get more profit and if that exactly. hurts people it doesn't really matter yeah, so where exactly. do you sit on that exactly no i think that the profit motive is huge and it may be it may be the predominant factor for that ceo i, cou- right. I couldn't tell you right but i can tell you that you know we had a nobel peace prize winner uh dr vandana shiva on our on our uh, series recently, she's going to be aired in some new content that we're doing. And she she was showing the link between IG Farben and Bayer and that, that what we're looking at is IG Farben. They're, they're two um, companies, Bayer, pharma companies. Yes, and Bayer is actually own, owning Monsanto. So the, the yeah, name Monsanto that, yes. is getting phased out. It's Bayer now. And yeah. Bayer is actually, its ownership is in IG Farben. And IG Farben is the, the big pharma giant that came out of Germany that... Um, Nazi, Nazi um, soldiers were really um, bringing the Jews into the concentration camps to manufacture pharmaceuticals for IG Farben. And so they were responsible for great evils and they were actually... But does that mean the... Uh does that mean the Nazi ideology is present? Is that the link you're making? You're saying because these scientists were within uh, the Nazi regime and this company, like Hugo Boss has come out of, yeah. like Mercedes-Benz, Hugo Boss, they were all around during Hitler's reign and probably benefited greatly from it. Yeah. Does, are you drawing the link that because what you're saying might be true, that yeah. like scientists and stuff were working for Hitler... Um, from these companies, yeah. do you think the ideology then is the same now? True. I, yes, good point. I mean, I, I think that, again, it's case by case, and I, I'm looking for what we can find on that. So I, I don't think it's a blanket. So I, And I like that you're questioning that, and that they could have just been writing a profit back, and that was, that was what it was, right? However, you look at the eugenics policy, and I had a doctor on my show, Dr. Peter Bregan, and he, was, uh, he brought down the resurgence of lobotomies in America in the 1970s, and it took him, 11, I believe it was 11 years and he was you know, deposed so many times in court to stop the use of lobotomies that had become again common mm-hmm. place as a treatment for mental disorder and then he was also bringing he also helped to bring down the eugenics program that America was introducing and you can look him up Dr. Peter Bregan and understand that that he was involved in bringing down um, some of these major some of these major um, ideas w- was it evil that they were pre- premeditating that a black person was more destined to create and do crime. Yeah, they and would to... say they're genetically criminals. Right? Exactly. That was and the school of thought. Exactly. And so I'm saying that this is very dark philosophy and this is what... And, and you're th- saying it still exists. This dark philosophy yes. you think still exists within big organizations and companies yes. like Bayer, um, like maybe Monsanto, yeah. maybe uh, Big Pharma... Exactly. I do believe that. And I don't, I couldn't tell you exactly what face, like I can see the tip of the shark fin. I can't see the shark under the, the, the body. So you're kind and, of But saying, it doesn't matter to me in the sense You're saying that it's guesswork. You're saying some of it is. here's the ideology behind it. Yeah. I can see some of the outflows. Yeah. So therefore there is an agenda to yeah. push this. Yeah, I do believe that. And I think that it's, it's, again, some of the things that we're getting are in the name of trying to better humanity. And some of the things that we're getting are in the hands of darker purposes. How do you find the distinction between incidental damage due to profit motive and deliberate pushing of ideology? How yeah, do you, okay, how okay. Do you Here's a great one. draw that distinction? Here's a great one. I mean, a, a great example for this is the fact that there aren't placebo studies on vaccines. 
they should absolutely be the control group and the group that are taking the vaccines. Just but, but how do you know that that's not a, let's say, for example, it's true, I'm not fact-checking yeah, this. Yeah, Everyone yeah. should go home and yeah, fact-check yeah, everything exactly. that's been said. Yeah, it's so good to fact-check. But how do you know that, that isn't, that's an outflow of a sinister agenda and not an outflow of just money influencing it? Exactly. No, it, it could be. So, so it's going to be much easier to pass this vaccine if we don't have anything that opposes it and we don't have a control group where we didn't have the children. And I can, I can turn this. So that's obviously very controversial because you're talking about vaccines. Yeah. But just to kind of go along with that, it's not a controversial thing to say because we know it's it's not even controversial to say that big pharma have deliberately not trialed drugs properly to push them through because they know they're going to make millions of dollars on it. And that's yeah. not a controversial thing to say, but it becomes it when you're talking about vaccines. Yeah, exactly. Because it, it starts to really hit some soft buttons and because we've been framed in a way. And So back, back to the science of it then. So me and everyone listening... There is this, you know, I'll admit there's this, there's this faith, and we've spoken about this before. There's this faith you have. I'm not a scientist. I can't read peer-reviewed scientific studies. And if I could, wouldn't know what the hell they're saying. I'm a teacher. You're a journalist. And there are people, and even if you're a scientist, uh, I have a scientist friend who, who doesn't think climate change is happening. And they're a scientist. And, so, and some people would say, well, they're not in the field of meteorology or whatever you need to be to understand that specific set of science. So yeah. science is this massive field. And to take shortcuts, because everyone can't be an expert on every single field, we all can't study medicine and the papers and things like that. Mm-hmm. We do have to look at the papers and then say, all right, m- the majority seem to be sitting here yeah. with those papers. And there's a smaller group of people over here saying it's the exact opposite. How are we supposed to decipher yeah. between the two? How, like, what makes you conf- more confident that you're correct rather than the established scientific yeah. consensus? Yeah, no, it's a good one. I, one of the principles I like to look for is the weight of evidence. So where you know, you're going to have evidence on both sides. And, and you're going to be putting in a scale. So imagine if you were just stacking all the things for pro-vax and stacking all the things for anti-vax. Mm. And then you were just seeing wh- which way are the scales dropping here. And you would, you would, you would ascertain that your, your mind is your only protection for anything. Like, you know, for the faith that you choose, but whether it's the, the food that you're eating, the, the, the way that you live, treat yeah, your family. So you... Yeah, everything is in your, you, 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 you decipher it through your mind. Yeah. yeah. So I, if, if a study came out tomorrow saying that Coke is the healthiest drink, you should never drink water. Mm-hmm. And look at all this amazing science that backs it up. Mm-hmm. You would have to then try to work out, well, it's, it's synthetic. Is, is, this, is this actually, am I being framed here? What's the, the evidence on the other side? So It sounds like you're, you're leaning towards your own personal experience. Like yeah, that, yeah, no, that's a good point. Because you're saying, uh, like, for example, natural things in my experience make me feel better, food, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And you draw that correlation, then go, if someone's saying this about Coke, surely it yeah, can't Yeah, there is healthy. a playing of worldview. And so the, the worldview that you have does influence. And that's where I do see a difference where if you believe that um, we're decrepit and we are, uh, our bodies are decrepit and there's, we need something synthetic outside of ourselves yeah. to prop us up, and we're not complete, we're not whole, There, we're not a self-healing mechanism. We only need the, if your body's sick, it's the absence of a drug. If you've got depression, it's because of a deficiency in Prozac. And yeah. and so I'm saying, well, if you're sick, it, your body was already whole. And so I do have a worldview. So your view. worldview is It does influence. Nat- we are part of nature and nature has ways of healing these things yeah. already. Yeah, I do believe that. Now that being said, like I do like to try and still disenfranchise even that to try as best as I can to have an objective opinion on the on the other. So let's say that what the objective, how do I how do I judge vaccines? So like there's all this science saying they're good. There's all this science saying that they're bad, and some of it being buried. Like I interviewed a CDC scientist that was jailed for just trying to release the findings. Judy Mikovits, you can look her up, Dr. Judy Mikovits, and she's wonderful. She's an amazing human being, and she frankly she's a hero in my opinion. The, for her to have and so you can look at the background so is everyone else just deceived then or lying or like because because how do you get such a strong consensus within the scientific community that says like uh there's all the 
there's that doctor that first linked uh, vaccines to autism, yeah, and then when you look into Wayfield. when you look into that, they say he's been debunked, the paper's exactly. been pulled, and all of those things. Exactly, and they'll say the same thing about Monsanto's uh, Roundup and Seralini and him discovering that Roundup uh, ready corn was creating tumors in rats, and that got redacted. You would say he's been retracted. Absolutely, yeah. So you would say his study was accurate and good. Yeah, and Seralini's case, he... he had the right number of rats, he had the uh, the right amount of time, and the the exact things that they're saying that made it fraudulent aren't fraudulent. And but haven't they since re-studied the links between vaccines and autism yeah. since that paper, and they've come up saying no dice? Well, exactly. But so now, when you propose this issue, though, you you go back 20, 25, 30 years, one in twenty five thousand children had autism. Today, it's one in 36. Would that not just be an increase of diagnosis? No. Like our ability to diagnose it? And No, it's Why not? because we weren't that far behind that we couldn't you know, work out that somebody had to wear a helmet and a diaper. Uh, but the whole, like, the whole spectrum in definitions even changing. Yeah. Like, I mean, there are people who, even in my lifetime, get a diagnosis with autism now when as a kid they were you know it's a spectrum now and you can be on like different yeah so well, isn't that broadening of a spectrum increasing the diagnosis couldn't that explain and, it? And yeah it could it could but then there's other things that are in play here like you have your own eyes and your own experience and if you can see a, a, a higher level of children that are being uh, in your own communities that you see a high level of autism, then that's, but then that doesn't necessarily correlate that that's from vaccines. It could be something else. But I'm saying, but like, just to answer your question, with Dr. Andrew Wakefield, his study was just looking at trying to separate the MMR vaccine. And, wow. and he's somebody that we, we've had in, in our series as well. Yeah, yeah. A couple of times in Del Big Tree with the Vaxxed film, which, of which Robert De Niro did um, have it scheduled for the Tribeca Film Festival, then pulled it and then got on like, you know, major um, news, news networks saying you've got to go watch this film. It's important to watch it. This is ultimately more dangerous than personal health choices mm -hmm. because you're making decisions, or you personally are making decisions for your child. Yeah. And then if the science is to, believe, to be believed on herd immunity, an unvaccinated child that should be vaccinated could be increasing the risk of giving deadly diseases to children who can't get vaccinated. Exactly. So it, this is why it's such a charged topic, because you're it saying is. it's not just you and it's not just your child, it's, I guess, us as a collective. Yeah, exactly. No, you've got it, exactly. But, but then now you come into a, a sacrifice question. Mm -hmm. um, and so, so we know, and, and just, for the, just for the record here, vaccine injury is, is a real thing. So whether it's autism, whether it's autoimmunity, whether it's something else, whether it's sudden infant death syndrome, these are all directly linked. I mean, you, you, the measles- Directly linked to vaccines. Absolutely. I mean, pick up the, um, the measles MMR shot and have a look at the, potent, the warnings of the side effects. One of them is death. People need to know that. And, and, so, and, and so if I concocted something here and said, Conrad, you've got to give this to your child and it said potentially death, uh, would, you, would it be right for me to consider you crazy for not wanting to give that to your child? Well, when you're asking me personally to make a decision, my reaction is, well, listen, I don't know. I'm not trained within it. And so I'll put, I'll put to you this. Do you think that people are qualified? Because you're saying you've got to use your own mind and use your own experience to then determine these yeah. things. A lot of things, like when you look into outer space and you look at what physicists are saying, space-time continuum, and when you, if you've ever watched the movie Interstellar, when they go on the planet for one hour, 20 years pass, all that, when you talk to a physicist, is like, they're saying, that is physically possible, like theoretically, theoretical physics. And when you look at the speed of light and it's a constant, it breaks my brain. I'm like, I do not understand this but that doesn't make it any less true. So in that being said, if you're asking me, hey, are you gonna give this to your child? And then I like have to look at the scientific studies and things like that. This is where people would say pseudoscience is semi-scientific language given to people without the qualifications to understand it all. Yeah. And then that can lead them to intuitive conclusions, but so much of what where learning can be counterintuitive, like a universal basic income for a trivial example. Most people would go, oh, don't give people free money. That's a terrible idea. They'll be lazy and quit their jobs. But the studies are showing it's counterintuitive when you give people the freedom to not worry where the next meal's coming from. Their productivity goes up. They actually work harder. Their efficiencies increase. And it's counterintuitive. So I guess what I'm saying is, are people 
if they're using their own experience, could that empower them to come to the wrong conclusion because they don't have the right scientific training. Yeah, good point. It, it could, right? And and so, like, I've definitely got to be open-minded to somebody then just going off the deep end. Um, but nevertheless, we have, we have a, a world that we live in which does require freedom, which is something that makes life beautiful. And for me, that's, like, if my life doesn't have freedom, then I'm not, I'm not willing to live in, in this life. So, so I'll always live by the code that I, you know, live by, even though somebody might find that offensive or that it might, if it ever becomes illegal for me to think my own thoughts, then I'm still going to think my own thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's, it's that important to me. But, but, but in t- to try to answer your question as best as possible, they've got to just stack the data still. I mean, Do so you think they haven't done that? Well, I mean, so uh, most people don't know that the U.S. vaccine court has paid out $4 billion to vaccine-injured families. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of money, and that's a judge and jury. Mm-hmm that's decided this child was injured by vaccines, and yet people diminish the risk. The, the diminishing of the risk is, is such a disservice to the conversation because we have to know that it, it's a huge risk yeah. to take vaccines. And, and I understand there's a huge risk to not take vaccines. I understand that, yeah. but I'm not, not doing anything. I'm not saying, well, I'm doing nothing. If you, I mean, I, I won't go really personal into my family, but what I will go into is you, you look at studies that have done from doctors over their, their patients, you'll find that children that are vaccinated and children that are not vaccinated, those that have their, their vaccinations spaced out, like Jennifer, Dr. Jennifer Margulis, you can look at her study on that. And it was over a thousand children. And they didn't think, they thought the data for the middle group that were spacing out vaccines, maybe they were gonna be the most successful. And because they were administering the vaccine, so they must've believed in them, right? Um, but you'll find in that group, the, the group that weren't vaccinated were far, by far the healthiest in this particular study. Mm. Uh, again, quite anecdotal because it's only around a thousand children. Mm. But, but those families that are not vaccinating are often the ones that are doing more on the natural holistic side. So if I say scurvy, you say vitamin C, I say cancer, you might say chemo, or you might say vitamin C therapy, or you might say coffee enemas, or juicing therapy, or um, hyperbaric chambers. But if the only answer is chemo, that's a disservice to the conversation. Each disease should be looked at for the other things that can be done to prevent it. And this, this was true for the bubonic plague. The Jews did not get the bubonic plague like the rest of the, the public. And this is why the Jewish leaders were captured and tortured to confess that they were the ones that poisoned the well. But they were operating off Levitical um, laws mm-hmm. that kept them free from the sanitation issues that were happening. So these are examples. The bubonic plague didn't need a vaccine. It needed sanitation in, in my uh, research. So part of what you're saying isn't controversial at all, because what you're saying is, look at these studies. And I have no doubt you've done, you make dockers on this, you talk to people directly, all of this stuff. Uh, it's not controversial to say if this, if this uh, company is paying out, if the government is paying out people to victims of yeah. vaccine effects, yeah. um, you know, that's something to be looked into. And it's not controversial to say, let's have this conversation, let's keep talking about it. I guess where people get uncomfortable is when you take that conversation and draw your conclusion what leads you to when you weigh up the risks and because it's a risk game right even for me personally so i don't don't have kids but let's say i have i have a child and i go okay our vaccine's safe i like i said i'm not a scientist i haven't done any training in it i don't have the time to put in to study whether this is effective or not but one group of scientists are saying that the risks of not getting vaccinated and dying from whooping cough, measles, um, like whatever they're vaccinating against. Like when I, I, I just, I'm about to go to Africa and the doctor was like, mate, you're gonna need yellow fever. And my experience, I've been like, well, I've had vaccines my whole life. I'm, I seem fine. So I'm kind of doing my own, like yeah, my yeah. own maths, right? And I go, right. all right, hit me with it. Cause the risk of getting this thing seems, they say it's more likely. Yeah. So when you do your own sums, what then tips the favor in you then going not just oh, it just needs more questions and let's keep looking into it yeah. when you do what tips you over that line yeah. to you know what these aren't safe yeah sure there's basic things like so if i had said to you um paint stripper is in this vaccine you would say well i don't agree with paint strip and i don't want it in my body so therefore i can't take that vaccine but what if a scientist was like like what if that was kind of true because yeah. this is where I kind of go with everything. What if that's kind of true in that this element and paint stripper 
have a, a molecule in common and that's in this and that's in that. Because yeah. um, I get what you're saying. Yeah, I get it. it yeah, yeah, it's a good example because yeah, DMSA, DMSA, DMSO is a natural supplement that, that can be used as a paint stripper and it can help yeah. remove toxic metals from the body. Yeah. So yeah, fair enough. That, I, that, that makes me rethink that particular analogy. I mean, like MSG, because I was in Japan, I was in China yeah. and I was like, Booyah, wait in. I was like, oh, here, MSG is bad for you. Then Christian, my friend was like, mate, have a look at this video. It's not bad. Yeah. And then they were looking at it and they broke it down on that molecular yeah. level and were like, this is monosodium glutamate and glutamate is in absolutely everything we eat. Yeah. This is just an extracted version of it. And it, it turned, their conclusion was, it's just like salt. Don't have too much but it's not going to be harmful. Got it. If that, I don't know if that... Yeah, no, no it, 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 it is interesting for sure. And, but so like coming back to the, the challenge there with aluminum. Mm-hmm. Aluminum, I like uh, synthetic aluminum in the body. It, and the reason why it's used is to keep, keep stimulating the immune system for because it doesn't, it doesn't just dissolve out of the body. It doesn't get excreted. Right. And so, and this is where you have, like, and this is why I try to really shift the conversation around yeah. the fact that we, it's always autism, whereas autism is is a minority compared to other groups like autoimmunity. So you're not fixated on autism? No, not just there. Like, I mean, autoimmunity, I think, is the biggest flagship that people should should understand that it that what I'm saying is that most vaccines will always create an autoimmune response in the body because of the use of things like aluminum that are used to trigger the immune system. So the body now is well, has isn't to it have de- a doesn't a vaccine deliberately exactly that's what I'm saying because that's because they put in particles of the disease yeah. and then it gives it enough to for the body to prepare for something like that. And exactly. Then, I don't know, that's as much as I know. Exactly. So, so then that's where they say, well, then here's the side effect. But just, just a clarification, it's not a side effect. It's a direct effect. Side effect is marketing, just, just, okay. just as FYA. Yeah. When you think I'm about it, right? Spin. It is. Like, I mean, it's, it's a direct effect of it. Yeah. Um, and so the direct effect of aluminum still, because it's, it's apparently a needed ingredient, which is why when, when mercury got taken out, aluminum got put in. Right. And that's why you still, still see those same, this is my opinion, of course, well, you st- that's one of the major reasons you see the rates of disease not decrease once that change happened because it was still a, just as big an issue as mercury, in my opinion. So what you what you're having there is the body then has has to attack has to attack because it's an invader. Toxic metals have no known benefit to human human what if, behavior. What if it's uh, to straddle the fence in this scenario? Yeah. What if it's both true, like you're saying, it's a direct effect, and there are measured studies and doctors and scientists saying there are direct effects and negative effects to this. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's take, for example, let's just say that vaccines do diminish certain diseases that you vac- vaccinate against, but also have side effects. In that scenario, do you think the odds are still stacked in the favor of not getting a vaccine? Like, it's not saying, all right, I'm going to cop some side effects, like flu medication. Like, it's not, we all know it's not healthy to keep taking it, but some days you'll be so just runny nose, headache, you're so over it, you'll take anything. Uh, Just like, I guess, painkillers, exactly that. Codeine's bad for you, but when I broke my collarbone, boy, that was awesome. Yeah, Yeah. still. Yeah, exactly. So with that, with, with the examples you gave, you could recover from those and uh, those side effects like you you will the side effects of the, the the pain meds that i'm not for will create some will create a problem in the body but your body it's you you don't hear of people getting autism from pain meds or 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 because even if you were hearing them anecdotally you would you'd kind of want to know yeah. um so i'm just saying that the the risks and are so great uh with that and and great well they would say greater than death like if you're yeah, if you're uh, vaccinated against whooping cough or something, they would say, like, those risks, are they greater than the risk of death? Like, yeah, yeah living with um, some side effect. Yes. Yeah, so I would say that both camps have to be, the, the vax camp has to be uh, mindful of many of the vaccines having on their labels, possible side effect is death. Mm-hmm. So, so death versus death, this is what I call the sucker's choice. But are there like stats within that choice though? Isn't that what you would go to? You say, which do you choose? The vaccine that says it could have death or the potential death of a disease? Yeah. So Isn't you, that just running the numbers and going, all right, which, which one am I going to take? Exactly, but this is, suck, this is sucker's choice. No? Yeah, it's but sucker's they, but, choice because you're choosing between two. But one has better odds. So if I say to you, but, listen, but why, I've got why a, is there not three? Why, why is there not three options? Uh, good point. But, but let's say yeah. I've, I've got a gun 
and I've got this one's got one bullet and eight rounds, and this one's got one bullet and four four empty rounds. Like, which which one are you going to take? Sucker's choice. I wouldn't take either. You wouldn't take either. Of but, course, I wouldn't. But you do. You do have to. No, I take. I but I'm not in either camp. Because you either don't get vaccinated or you do get vaccinated. Yes. Isn't that the choice? But but, but that's not the conversation. The com- the conversation is the disease. So the real conversation is how do I prevent or okay, reverse I get what you're disease? Saying. Right. So you're saying that like. Not That's not way. a helpful dichotomy to put it in. Yeah, it's not the only way. And it should never be okay. discussed as the only way. Okay, here's an example. Okay, I get what you're saying. Okay, I really, yeah, okay, let me try and sum it up. Yeah, yeah. You're kind of saying, this whole conversation we're even having now, yeah. uh, you're saying, we're focusing on, do you get vaccines or don't you get vaccines? You're kind of saying, if, we're, if the point of the vaccine is to prevent a disease, why aren't we talking about all the options we have to prevent that disease? Bingo. Because you don't trust vaccines. Bingo. I think that, because at the end of the day, creativity is actually so important here. When I say creativity, I'm not thinking loopy creativity like painting on the wall, Jackson Pollock. I'm talking about uh, people actually using their minds to think of a solution to a problem. You have a major problem. This is, creativity should be exercised in every field, right? Mm. So how do we solve the problem? And then you look at every certain thing. Like if you had the option between using a vaccine for scurvy or vitamin C, knowing that vitamin C is effective, which would you choose? Mm. Knowing that that it, it doesn't have side effects. People don't yeah. die from vitamin C. If if we take, for example, th- that um, if we take, for example, that that is the choice given. So so I'd have to go into the specific things because because yeah. that could be it could be the reality that there is no other choice but to vaccinate, exactly. Right? Let's and go so, for those cases. Um, and so apparently that is the case. But I but I. But You're what's interesting, even if you even if you go with a disease like cancer, I think that people, the status quo of the public is getting to the point where we're starting to understand that the chemo is not the only way. And uh, for starters, well, we know that surgery is an option and radiation is an option, but there's yeah. the three, but even those three are not the only option. Yeah. There are other ways, and especially if you get stage four cancer and you're given like six months if you do all the therapies, yeah. that's, the, that's what some people call the great cancer. The reason why, because then they get like, in a sense, permission to go try something else. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I've had people that have been given three days to live in front of me, eight years after their diagnosis, that had their bodies filled with cancer, tumors the size of volleyballs in their gut, through their groin, in their neck. Dave Olson, I interviewed him. We had to fly to Mexico to interview him there because he had to get off the grid treatment. This was eight years ago, he had 17 oncologists tell him that he was going to die anywhere between three days and three months. And here he is eight years later with no sign of cancer in his body. And I can show you so many cases like this. Survivors of pancreatic cancer decades after, one, one case 40 years after diagnosis of pancreatic cancer. Mm-hmm. And so many people just, it explodes their heads too much to say there must have been a misdiagnosis, but I could show you so many examples and, and scans. And, and so then it, it gets to the point where you just have to open your mind to, to that fact. And you, you're genuinely like believe what you're saying yeah you're you're convinced yourself you've had these personal experiences and and that's kind of what you've formed your opinion on yeah one last question yeah what if you're wrong so what like have you run those sums like what if when you're looking at the data you're reading it wrong yeah like so and, and then and then if you're also you know doing health documentaries and helping people access this information what if you're wrong Sure, if I was wrong, then there would be a lot of, there would be guilt, there would be remorse. And for me, there would be like a public declaration. I would publicly announce that I, like, I'm really sorry for my misinformation. I was, I, I thought I was doing the right thing, but I wasn't, and I'm sorry that I've done this. I, I'm hope, I hope that you'll forgive me, and I hope that you'll consider this new information that I've found. And, and I hope that you'll use it and apply it and take this new step that I've taken because I think it's the safest thing you could possibly do. That's mm. what I would do if I was wrong, and if I came to believe I was wrong. What would you say to the people that would look at what you do and, and say you're a snake oil salesman or, yeah. or, or you're, you're leading people astray? Like what, what would you say if they said, you're a journalist, you're not even a scientist, you're not qualified to give people this information, that could kill someone's child or that could kill... What, what would you say? Sure, absolutely. I, and I, I would say my role in that conversation is the role of a journalist and a filmmaker, as is the scientists and the doctors. And I'm a platform for a lot of doctors and scientists. Um, in fact, um, some, yeah, a lot of very prominent doctors and scientists across the world 
or have um, me as one of the most major distribution channels to get their information to people. Scientists are not good marketers. In the majority of cases, they don't get information out to the public. Mm. Um, in most cases, most people don't read these reviews. Um, what we need is media. So, so that's my role in that. But what would I say to the person that's considering the, of the misleading effect? I would say, if I am, then, um, then that's, that's going to be something that's going to happen in a free world where we have freedom of conscience, people will mislead people in this, in this life. And so sometimes, you've, if you believe I'm sincerely wrong, research the things I'm saying and counteract them and put them to the table and prove me wrong. Because if you do prove me wrong, then fantastic. I'll, I, like, I'll be so grateful for that. Because mm -hmm. like, for starters, if I got persuaded back to the Vax camp, or if you call it that way, I'd be like, fantastic, this is so much better. I can fit in everywhere. My friends will uh, have less of an issue with me. My, um, the community, it's just, I'll, I'll have be less concerned about my safety and well-being. I could just Your status quo. Your life would be easier. It would be easier. And my career wouldn't be as threatened as well. Because like, yeah. many people that have been in situations like me, like I, I mean, I have been granted the access to influence. And most people that get that opportunity, they don't want to let that go. And for me, like, I understand that like, there, there could come a point where um, my career is severely threatened because of my uh, my doggedness to speak on this issue mm -hmm. and so so thank you do that yeah. prove me wrong and I will listen to that my main point of this conversation I'm not trying to have a pro-vax anti-vax debate like yeah. I've said I'm nowhere near qualified for that but the main point of this conversation was to too often people dismiss other people as irrational evil yeah. or misguided and uh, you know, I guess you could be misguided. I could be misguided. True. But the one thing is, I hope people get from this conversation is that you've done a lot of research, and you, your objective is to help people as much as you can, and to seek the truth and keep asking questions. Yeah. Jono, thanks heaps for this conversation. It. I love conversations like this and I've learned, I feel like I've learned a lot about your perspective and everything Fantastic. like that. Well, thank you for your open-mindedness and I just appreciate having, uh, like having you have me on the show and I love your work and the fact that you're getting people to open their minds and I think that people should be listening in and tuning in and getting some insights and opening their minds and I appreciate that you're doing that and I understand that you know we're all coming from different positions and I, I respect that you're willing to just bring that conversation in, in spite of that. Mm, thanks for just being so genuine and open and talking to me. Appreciate it, man. Thank you. Thanks again for listening. That's been another episode of Ideas Digest. Once again, you can connect with us on Instagram at Ideas Digest, email at ideasdigest at gmail.com. And if you want to do your part, all seven of you who are listening, fantastic. Find one person that you think would find this interesting and be like, hey, you should listen to this podcast because if that worked then we would be up to 14 listeners and that would be, I mean, that'd be a record for us. So thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing. If you have any ideas about what topics we should cover, who we should talk to, send us an email, send us an Instagram message, and I'll catch you in the next episode. Thanks.